Well, hello, everyone. Uh, for the past year, over a year now, actually, uh, I've been learning some very specific lessons. I've been studying in some very specific ways. And in fact, about a year ago, I really felt like uh, just as leader of the church, God was giving me some places to learn so that you and I could learn together. This series that we are in called Wells is a culmination of the past year that's been going on, at least in my heart and the hearts of a few others. So uh, if you can, I hope you'll be here for the whole series. I hope that you'll plug in because I think this is a big deal. The series is built on something that I think you have wondered, whether you've wondered it recently or you used to wonder it. Here's the question about life. Why am I here? I think many of us have wrestled with this, where maybe you wake up and you immediately begin to think about it. Maybe life happened and you started thinking about it. Maybe you gave up on it and you're like, yeah, I've given up on this one. But I'm going to tell you that most normal human beings, I don't know if you're outside of that category, but most normal people have thought at some moment and wanted this answered for themselves why in the world am I here? What's my purpose? And if you're still in the normal world, you landed somewhere where most people land. Uncertainty. Most of us, maybe at the moment you're like, no, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. This is going to be awesome. But most of us go into a season of uncertainty. Uh, I remember summer after my seventh grade year, I was at a camp. The preacher was talking to us and said, hey, if anyone feels called to be a pastor or do something like that for the rest of your life, come up on stage. It was one of those moments I thought he was staring at me. I don't know if you've ever thought that I'm staring at you. I'm not. But it was a moment that I thought, like, why are you talking to me? Why so direct? Why? Why? And I went up. I felt like God was saying something to me. And I remember feeling like, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. But then it went into uncertainty where I began to question, like, yeah, God must have gotten this one wrong. I should never be a pastor. I remember going through ups and downs and ups and downs. Maybe you've been there where you thought you landed on why you were here, but then you went into uncertainty. Let me help us. Okay, let me just help. By a show of hands, who has ever lived in, in, a, in a season of where you weren't certain what you were supposed to do with your life? Anyone? Okay, look around because you get encouragement from that. So let me teach you what happens and when you're looking at what do I do with my life, like maybe you're thinking vocationally, maybe relationship-wise, or where you live or what you're going to do, uncertainty creates something. Let me, let me show you. Apathy or action. You're going to have this moment, most of us do, where you're like, what should I do? We, we treat it differently. The person you're sitting next to may have not taken the same route you did, but all of us begin to go, well, apathetic about it or action. And frankly, you know me well enough, hopefully by now, I'm not going to talk much about the action part because I don't think that's the problem. <laughs> I think there's an issue with apathy when it comes to uncertainty. Now, I know we'll use excuses like, I'm going to wait for decades. And I don't want you to land there. Apathy or action. I can tell you some of the dirty parts of apathy. Do you know that you were born with a purpose and that God has things in store for you to do and to be a part of? And if you go the route of apathy where you're just saying, you know, I'm just going to wait for everything to magically align 
You're going to live in apathy. And if you don't know what it means, the, perhaps the most crass way I can even say it, if you've chosen apathy, you are wasting your life. You're wasting it. Literally wasting breath. And that's not why God made you to waste your life. You don't want it. In fact, if you guys, if we have a serious conversation one-on-one, I think deep down you crave for your life to not be wasted. If you want to know what it looks like and why you and I might be wasting our lives, you don't have to go very far to find out what's going on. Let me just link it to, it'll seem odd at first, to gift cards. If you've ever had a gift card, some of you have gift cards, just me bringing it up, remind you like, oh, I've got some gift cards, I need to use that. Well, Consumer Reports did a study about you and I. I didn't get called for it. I never get called for the surveys, but it's, it's nonetheless. Uh, and so they asked these people, like, hey, have you used your gift cards? One out of five gift cards never get used, ever. They go wasted. Consumer Reports asked questions about gift cards. Here's what they asked, and I thought this was interesting. Why did you not use your gift card that's now expired? Here's the answers, and I find this profound. 50%, if you don't know what that means, Half. I went to seminary, just trying to help. Half of them, half of them said they didn't have time to use the gift card. Okay, half of them did it. And you wonder, so does it now break up into smaller? Well, 37% said they couldn't find anything they wanted. So if you're not good with math, I'll continue to help you. 87% now, 87% said they wasted the gift card. It's now expired because they didn't have time or they didn't like the options. You see what I'm getting at? I think you and I, when it comes to living a life on purpose, living out why we're here, if we choose apathy, if we say, I'm just going to wait, I think many times we blame, I don't have time to do what I really want to do, or I don't have the options to do what I really want to do. It's fascinating to me that you and I are very similar, that we often offer excuses even though we crave to live a life that is not wasted. I don't want you to live a wasted life. I don't want you at all. So if you'll be a part of the series, I can walk you through some things. Let me teach you a basic life lesson when you may not like it. I didn't like it either. Your purpose isn't about you. I have days where I wish it was. I don't know, I, I don't know if you're willing to be that vulnerable. I'll tell you, there's days you're like, you know what, I wouldn't mind if it was about me today. When you think about your purpose and why you're here, most of us are like, well, well how do I get, what does this mean for me? What will people think? And I, I just want to warn you that if you're trying to land on what you're doing here and why you're doing it, it can't be about you. It can't be where you wake up and everything is about you. You're looking at me like you've never thought such a thing that you wake up and you just think all about other people all the time. I'm telling you, when you and I begin to discover about what we're supposed to do in life, we've got to land on this. This is critical, and this is more difficult oftentimes outside of a church service than we get a credit for. You have a purpose. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you've ever wondered, do I, do I even have one? Did I get one? Did I get disqualified? Did I get left out? No, no, you have purpose. You have meaning. And you've got to make sure that it's not all about you. I, I want to... While you're processing that, because some of us just, like, I don't want it, I want it to be about me. Let me tell you some stories. Uh, 
One specifically is about Jesus. Jesus one day, uh, according to the way the Bible spells it out, Jesus was thirsty and tired. He was thirsty and tired, and he found himself just outside of a city, and where he went to was where most people would go to at that time. He went to a well. He went to a well because he was thirsty. It's logical, okay? So he goes to the well. He sits down at the well. The Bible says he's thirsty and he's tired. The disciples that were with him went into town to get lunch and to bring it back so they could not only drink but eat and get replenished. Jesus is at this well. Now, you need to know how big of a deal wells are. Because I know we live in a different time frame. I'll spell it. Wells are the most, well, one of the most significant necessities in life. I know many of us are like, no, 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 David. I go to the faucet and that works really well for me. Some of you are water snobs and you don't even do the faucet anymore. You're like, oh, that's so old school. And you're like, you, you now have special bottles and pay way too much for water. Jesus being at a well is a big deal, and, and, and we need to get this. If you want to know why you're here, you need to understand wells. I know it's odd. Let me describe. It's, see, you and I have lost the meaning and the value of wells because in, well, modern-day well digging, you and I don't get one of these. <laughs> There's machines now that in one day's time, one day's time, can dig a well, set it all up, cap it, and make it ready for, for people. I mean, one day, 24 hours, you got it locked in, this is good. And many of us are like, that's, that's great. <laughs> it's not very difficult. Resolves major problems. Do you need me to tell you that you have to have water in order to live? <laughs> it's a big deal. Jesus is at a well, and we think modern. Don't, don't think ancient. And I know you weren't there. I wasn't there either, for those of you who want to have jokes. But I wasn't there either. Ancient well digging was different. They didn't have a nice shovel like this, but they had to use tools. They had to use their hands. If a well was going to get dug, uh, multiple people had to be involved. And in fact, if you or your family had, had relocated somewhere, you had to have this first. If you didn't have water, everyone would die, and your generation would be the last generation. So you had to have water, so they would dig a well. It took tons of people, and it took months and months and months. People would hurt themselves. Tools would be broken. In fact, they would work so hard on digging a well, this when they got done, they found water, they locked in the well, it was all done, they would name it. I mean, when you name something, it's a big deal. They would name the well, and it would be passed on to generations who dug the well, because that was a big deal, and they would name it. It was, it was so significant, digging wells. It was difficult. Very difficult. Jesus is thirsty, he's tired, and he's sitting in a well. And a woman walks up to the well. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole bunch about her. The Bible tells us that she was a Samaritan woman. You don't need to study much on it. I can just tell you this. Samaritans and Jews, Jesus was a Jew, hated each other. The hate came more from the Jews. And if you're wondering, like, how bad was it? In our context, we would call it almost like racism. Jews would mock Samaritans. Jews had a saying that if you ever saw a woman in need, maybe even giving birth on the side of the road, a Jewish person wasn't even supposed to help out. They hated each other. Jesus is at the well. He's thirsty. He's hungry. The Samaritan woman walks up. You know what Jesus says to her? Hey, would you get me some water? She's blown away by it. She's like, say what? Probably like, because, and she begins to say, like, we don't, no, we don't talk. We don't talk. We don't talk. Don't talk to me. We don't talk. 
He's, and he's like, hey, would you get me some water? Uh, good question, normal question. In our context, we're like, what's the big deal? Oh, but it was a huge deal. And so she kind of pushes back, like, why are you, why are you asking me for, for water? And this is, I want to show you this conversation because it has everything to do with your purpose. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you, okay, and who you're speaking to. Now, at first we're like, that sounds kind of arrogant. Like, hey, do you know who you're talking to? Well, it's Jesus one, so he kind of has the right to say that, but that's not the, that's not the tone he's saying. And he's like, you don't even know who you're talking to. If you knew, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Now, this kind of messes with her at first. She's, she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You asked me for water, but you have water. See, sometimes we read the Bible like, oh, that makes total sense to me. No, it doesn't, not at first. Because she's like, you're asking me for water, but then all of a sudden you just told me you got your own well. And that was a big deal, that he would have his own well. Not only his own well, but a good well of living water. She thinks he's talking about physical water. In fact, here's what the Bible, uh, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. You see that she's like, she doesn't get it yet. She doesn't get it. It's fine. Sometimes when we come to church, we're like, we pretend to get it, but we don't get it. So it, Jesus is good to her, but sir, you don't, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this, this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Like, like do you have your own well? What's, and besides, do you think you're... Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? Do you see how significant? I mean, she, oh, she knows who dug the well. Everyone knew who dug the well because it was difficult work. How can you offer better water than he or his sons or his animals enjoyed? Like, what? You ask me for water, but all of a sudden you tell me you got really good water? You got a well that's producing living water? What in the world? I don't get it. So, Jesus keeps talking. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. You and I know this. You and I know that if you drink water, in theory, there's eventually going to come a moment where you're like, I am thirsty again. That's how it works, okay? Just being very scientific with you. But those who drink the water I give out of my well will never be thirsty again. I think she's like, what? It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now he's pretty much amped it up to where she's very intrigued. In fact, I thought you might miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to hone in on this last part. Those who drink the water I give, those who get water from my well, it's more important. You notice how she's been dwelling on the physical? She's thinking about the physical. She's thinking about the here and the now. And for those of us, you're not catching it. That's what you and I do, right? We dwell on the here and now. Whatever your problems are that you brought in today or tomorrow, our normal issues, our relationships, our work, our school, our needs, our wants, we think about always here and now. We're thinking about, that's all she's thinking about is the here and now, the physical, the physical, the physical. And Jesus is like, I'd like to bring something up a bit more important. The spiritual. Eternity. Guess that, eternal life. He says he has a well that can provide eternal life. 
In the Bible, it talks about how Jesus is the living water. He is the source of life, is what the Bible says. The source of eternal life, the source of forgiveness, grace, and mercy. The source of joy and peace and hope. If you've ever craved any of that, Jesus is the source of that. And he, although used a conversation where she's not understanding the physical part and the spiritual part, he brings up, you want to, let's talk about what's most important is the condition of your soul. Is it nourished with the living water? So let me tell you what I've been learning and what I'm getting at about our purpose. Our purpose has everything to do with digging wells. If Jesus is the source of hope and joy and forgiveness, of a fulfilling life, if Jesus is who he says he is, which we believe he is, if we all need Jesus like we all need water, then we need to walk this well metaphor out and recognize if you want to live why you're here and why God put you here, I would tell you he's designed you, equipped you, and called you to dig wells. Now, don't think like the woman at the well thought. You're like, uh, so where do we, uh, water, I, I don't dig, I don't, I don't do this. Spiritually, whatever you do for a living, whatever you don't do for a living, let me give you a definition, a definition. Well, an opportunity for someone to know who Jesus is. If Jesus is the source of all these great things, the Bible says that he says that we believe to be, we know to be true, then you and I are not designed to just say, hey, great, I got some grace and mercy. I love second chances. Is that you and I are actually called to dig wells to create opportunities for people to know who Jesus is. If you want to know why, if you want to lock on to the very reason you were born, and some of you are like, well, when does this happen? Is it when I'm 18? Does all of a sudden this get issued? No. If you're in school now, you have a purpose in school. I would tell you, what, what is it? I'd give you this. Dig a well. At school, create an opportunity for someone to know who Jesus is. If you don't have a job, if you're raising kids at home, if you're married, if you do anything or don't do anything, whatever you do when you wake up and you walk your day out, you are designed by God, called by God, to help others get the water, which means you and I got to dig well. But there's a problem. Because a lot of Christians have accepted the grace and mercy and love of Jesus. They have tasted this water, as Jesus calls it, and kept it to themselves. Here's the greatest threat. Our unwillingness to dig a well. I think this is the greatest threat, listen, to mankind. I know some of you think it's the government. We don't have time for that right now. I know some of us think it's culture. Some of us think our biggest problem is our marriage. Some of us think our biggest problem is one of our kids. I think some of us think our biggest problem might be church in America. But some of us think that our biggest problem is, there's a long list. We can come up with a list. This, we have too many Christians not willing to share the water or go further or to dig a well. Because you know that a well can provide water for a lot of people. In fact, to get into this, I think a lot of people haven't, they're just not taking it seriously. One day maybe we'll get to it, or hey, sure hope Pastor David or some of the other pastors do something about this. 
I, I like what C.S. Lewis said about Christianity. Christianity, if false, is of no importance, which is true. And if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. Can, you don't, don't raise your hand. But can, can we admit that most, I think most Christians are treating it like it's moderately important? That maybe tomorrow I'll get at it. Maybe one day I'll bring something up. And we begin to even think that digging wells is, oh, i gotta, I got to share everything with them, the whole Bible. i got to just recite it. And, and they got to listen to this hours and hours of me reciting it. Or i got to preach a sermon. No, some, some of the most beautiful ways to help someone know who Jesus is is not to speak. But with your actions, to show them how much God loves them. In fact, as a pastor's kid, I mean, I'm a fourth generation pastor in a row. I grew up around this. I've seen churches, I've seen Christians, and I have been one of these people in the past. Many people just flat out unwilling to do anything with this. So let me show you a reality. Uh, If we don't dig new wells, anyone and everyone doesn't really matter. That's the reality of it. I know, I know as a church we talk about how anyone and everyone matters. They do. They really, they really do. I'm just saying if we don't dig new wells, do you understand that fewer and fewer and fewer people come to know who Jesus is? Let me tell you one of the most gripping realities of where we live. I have asked this question many, many times of funeral directors. And every funeral director gives me the exact same answer. So either they're conspiring or it's true. Did you know that over half of the funerals done in the Black Hills are done by a funeral director and not a pastor because over half have no name, no church, no understanding of God, no desire for God, no belief in God. And so they're like, hey, that's the plan. That's just, that's just in our region. If we don't dig new wells, if we don't create opportunities for people to know who Jesus is, do you understand the ramifications of that? So I'll simply say this. The world needs you to live your purpose. The world needs you and I to actually engage our purpose, our calling, whatever God wants you to do and however he wants you to do it, The world needs you and I to dig wells. Needs it. Some of you are itching already for some details. It's too early for that. In the series, I will tell you details. I will invite you into very specific moments that will challenge both you and I. But we can't go to the details yet because we have a bigger conversation to talk about. We need to choose apathy or action. We have to choose it. Apathy or action. What are we going to let uncertainty do? Is it going to lead you to action? Is it going to lead you to a willingness, maybe a willingness to pick a shovel up, to dig a well at your workplace? Or in a relationship that desperately needs Jesus. Apathy or action. Uh, Let me example what I think is going on. 
Um, I'll example it. For those of you in the Air Force, you'll, I think, appreciate this unless I butcher the story. Uh, years and years ago, when we would go to war, we would send planes with propellers. You're welcome for that information. I know you know that. Propellers. That was, that was the technology we had. We sent planes in with propellers. They went fast, but then one day, did you know, and I think you do know, we created uh, fighter jets. They go much faster. I have, well, they're, they're make-believe dreams of me flying one, but uh, fighter jets. Uh, in the propeller planes, if you needed to eject, you would hit this button, and, and because you weren't going at a crazy fast speed, you could launch out, and the parachute would launch like it's supposed to, and everything would work like it's supposed to. When they made fighter jets, there was a problem. They went real fast. And when you're going really fast, there's adrenaline just flowing. When you're going really fast, the decisions are different. The fears are different. And when they were testing these things, which I would never want to be that person, testing fighter jets, no thank you. What they found was this. In the test, when it was time for the pilot to eject, do you know what they did? By just adrenaline and reaction, they grabbed onto their seat. That's a problem. They grabbed on their seat. The speed was pushing them back, which meant the parachute, the seat couldn't move. Parachute could not deploy. This is a life or death situation. There's a problem in the test. They would just do this. And be like, some of you are thinking, well, why don't they just sit them down? Hey, you don't have to be afraid. You ever had someone tell you not to be afraid? You're like, you don't know. You can't just sit Hey, don't be afraid. It's fine. Lift your hands up. No. They found it was not, it was not fix, fixable with psychology. So based on my studies, they, they created a device. Here's the, they created a device that when triggered would force the seat forward. Not, not by the pilot's choice. They, no, this is what happened. But the seat was forced forward so that the parachute would be free to be launched out. The reality was this. They had to create a device. A device had to be made. Engineers, really smart people, had to come up with, how do we save the life of this person? And it was not to pry their fingers off. It was to create a device that would launch the whole thing. For hundreds of years, Christians have been doing the exact same. We accept grace, we get saved, and then we do this. And we don't move from our chair. Some of us even go to the same chair. Some of us claim the chair. This is both reality and metaphor. For years, Christians have been only concerned with what goes on inside of the walls of their church building that they built and the seats that they paid for to where we thought that the goal of Christianity was to build the nicest building you could buy with the most comfortable seats and to hold on until Jesus came back. The problem with that is this. It means more wells aren't getting dug. 
And do you know a reality about a well? Do you know a well dries up? Typically a well dries up. So until Jesus returns, do you know that we have to dig wells? And what I think is beautiful is this. Jesus knew this when he brought up the well. When he sat at the well, I think he knew that you and I would be talking about this. Do you see how difficult it is to hold on to your seat and dig a well? It's idiotic. Some might call it hypocritical to even have a shovel and to hold on to both the shovel and the chair. So I'm going to call you in. I want to call you in to a potential movement of God. Some of you, like I told you, you're going to want details right now. No. I have purposefully, purposefully withheld details from my sermon notes. It's the only way I wouldn't say them. And let me teach you something I have actually learned about life. Your purpose needs a yes before it needs details. If you want to know, how do I follow God? How do I do what God wants? He wants a yes. Before he says, here's exactly how to dig and where to dig and exactly what to do. Because you and I get caught up in the details. You know what we do with details? We evaluate them. As though we've got a call in this. (laughs) Do you know that if God unfolded the rest of your life, he said, all right, all right. Because some of us have prayed that. At least I have. Uh, Pray, God, uh, if you just lay this out, that would make my life better. No, it would not. Because you know what you and I would do with the list that he gives us of what we're going to do with our life? We'd be like, "Mm, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hide in a hole during that month. So he can't give you and I the details. Because we would pick and choose. So what God's called us to right now, I believe this with all my heart, is he wants a crew of people in the Black Hills who would start off saying yes to a shovel. And this is going to mess with some of you. You're like, but I want to know like where I'm digging and, and what I'm... I would tell you, if you need an immediate detail, the best I'm going to tell you right now is I think God wants you to start digging where you're at. If you, if you, I'm, that's all I'm giving you. Where you're at. I don't think God accidentally puts people in our path. I don't think God accidentally puts us where we live. No, 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 no. Oftentimes we look at the other side of the fence. We're like, that's where I want to go and that seems great. And No, no, no. If you want the detail, that's the best detail I'm going to give you is I think God wants us to dig where we're at. I wonder if you would be willing to engage a potential movement of God where you would say, whatever he wants me to do, wherever he wants me, however this plays out, I am willing to put a well where people will come to know who Jesus is. I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do it. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to pray for you because we need prayer with this. I'm going to pray for you. And when I say amen, I'm going to invite you to do something. This is my amen. When I say amen, that's why I turn the service over to you. If you're new to us, you're like, what? I didn't come prepared. Don't worry about it. 
I'm going I'm to pray for you, and when I say amen, that's going to be your cue. If you want to be a part of what we believe to be a future movement of God where he's going to help provide wells all over, when I say amen, you get up and you come to the front of the stage, and there just so happens to be little shovels. Little shovels at the front of the stage. Now, some of you are like, am I supposed to literally dig with this? I would not advise it. But oftentimes we need uh, reminders, don't we? If you're like me at all, I'll have a moment with God, but then forget some of the details, forget exactly what I was about and, and what we talked about. So I wanted to give you an actual physical reminder that if you're willing to be a part of this, if you want to be part of the rest of the series, well, we learn some more details and how do we dig wells and how do we show people who Jesus is? What's that look like? How do we live our purpose out? You'll be a part of it. But it starts with a yes or a no. That's how it starts. So I'm going to pray. When I say amen, you're invited to come to the front of the stage and grab a shovel and take it home with you, put it to where you'll always remember and engage this idea of God calling us into something that blesses him and gives him glory. Let me pray for you. God, what a privilege it is to be able to gather. What a blessing it is to get to hear from you, to talk to you, to dwell on you. God, I believe with all my heart that you have been preparing us whether we knew it or not preparing us as a group of people that would hear the story of your son Jesus at a well, emphasizing the value of water, living water. So God, I I pray for everyone, including myself. Lord, would you help us to love people the way that you love people? Would you give us a holy care for others? Would you help us to see the world as you see it? Would you help us to see each day with value? God, would you begin to do a work in our minds and our souls to begin to consider being a part of a movement of of you doing a work in people's lives all around us? So God, we open up uh, our desires, our, our lives. We open up our insecurities and our inadequacies. And God, I just ask that you'll use us for your glory, for your benefit, so that more people than today will know who you are and get to spend eternity with you. God, we hand this moment over to you as we say yes or no to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.